Hey there, and welcome to Unorthodox. It's Friday, and we've already had an episode this week. But we thought that this week, probably the most difficult week in Jewish history in, I don't know, probably 75 years, um, we don't want to be alone for Shabbat. We want to be together, and we want to be with you. So we thought that we would very briefly check in with each other, check in with you, and end this week by focusing not on the terrible things that had happened, but on the things that we could do to bring on the light. So, Joshua Molina, Stephanie Butnick, how are you, my friends? I have been better. Um, I think this is a really tough week for everyone, um, for Jews and the people who love them, and feeling heartbroken and just gutted by what we're seeing, feeling angry by some of the responses we're seeing, feeling helpless, those of us who are really far away and, and don't really know what to do, feeling guilty that there is nothing, that it feels like there's nothing we can do. And also feeling inspired by the things we're seeing already, um, both from, you know, just amazing stories coming from Israel and also from, you know, mobilization efforts in the United States and and, and everywhere in the, else in the diaspora of people just coming together, being together, sending things, just, I mean, the things we've seen are just really amazing. And so, yeah, I'm trying to focus on the inspiration piece and just realizing that in dark times, this community is coming together in an amazing way um, and just really trying to feel moved by that. Joshua, how's, how's it been like for you? Uh, you know, uh, like most everyone else, I feel uh, utterly shell-shocked and I've been living down a rabbit hole. Um, but by the same token, I have been still supported and buoyed by friends and family and people reaching out. And uh, although I've complained at times about uh, silence uh, on the part of certain people and groups that I would expect allyship from. I also have had a lot of surprise calls or um, calls from people I haven't spoken to in a long time, people checking in just to make sure I'm okay. Uh, you know, Jewish and non-Jewish friends and, uh, and people that I don't even know that well, know that well. And so I've been really, that means a lot to me. And I like the idea of our doing something now that connects us to our community, even if it's uh, virtually um, sharing a, a, a special Shabbat together. For so many of us, I think the most difficult thing in, in this moment in time is how fucking helpless we feel, how much we wish there was something we could do, some package we could send, some donation that we could make, some volunteer opportunity. And all these things exist and they're great. But I think there are two more things that we could do that really anyone could do. And it's things that Jews have been doing from time immemorial. The first is really simple. Uh, it's just to double down on being Jewish. And as it happens um, tomorrow, if you're listening to it on Thursday or today, if it's Friday already, uh, is Shabbat. And not just Shabbat, it's Shabbat Bereshit. It's the Shabbat in which we begin reading the Torah anew. What a better opportunity, what a symbolic moment uh, of, of a clean start to let anyone and everyone double down on this incredible life-saving Jewish practice of taking 25 hours and stepping outside of space and time and, and just kind of, you know, healing and recharging and reconnecting with what truly matters. And then there's the second thing that Jews do very well, which is when times are very grim, we tell jokes. And so we want to bring you just one funny and completely true story that happened in Israel on its darkest day of Thank you. 
So there are the standard things that go into each Shabbat, but there are also ways that we can make it relevant to this moment, make this ancient practice something that feels right and cathartic and meaningful to us. So we went to the apartment of Rabbi Diana Fersco. She's been on the show recently to talk about her new book, We Need to Talk About Anti-Semitism. And I really just asked her to walk me through the basics of Shabbat, but also a few extra prayers that we can incorporate this week. I am Diana Fersco. I am a reform rabbi. I am the rabbi of the Village Temple in downtown Manhattan, and I'm the author of the book, We Need to Talk About Anti-Semitism. For me, first of all, Shabbat is not in my home only. I'm a synagogue Jew, and I go to shul every week, and I pray with my community, and it's very joyful, it's very musical, it's very social, very friendly. And then I come home, and we make Shabbat. So for us, what that means is we light the candles, we make uh, kiddush, we say motzi. Sometimes we have a meal together. Sometimes we have a meal with other families. Um, we'll go to their house, they'll come to our house. But mostly it's a time for joy, family, rest, and a break from the rest of the week. Shabbat is going to be very intense. And I feel pulled and confused. As many people know, on Shabbat, you're commanded to be joyous. And I've guided mourners many times through this conversation, and I've, I've been there myself, where people that are grieving find it very hard and even shocking to be told, yes, you're in horrible pain, but you can't grieve right now. You have to pause. You don't make Shiva on Shabbat. And I feel in horrible pain like the rest of the Jewish world, in a state of shock about what's just happened. And I think a few things about this Shabbat. One, it's an opportunity to do a Jewish thing. And that is urgent right now. There are terrorists and other people in this world who would like nothing more than to suffocate and extinguish the Jewish way. And we have the opportunity to keep going and to keep passing down those traditions, to celebrate who we are, to learn more about who we are, to commit more deeply and more intensely to who we are. And so I, I view this Shabbat with greater intensity and almost a sense of defiance. We're still here on Yisrael High. I feel like all of us have been glued to the phone in a hyper way for obvious reasons. And Shabbat is divine. Shabbat is a gift from God. Jews have already figured this out. We need a break. <laughs> and if you want to be part of supporting Israel at your fullest in the long weeks to come, then you need to give yourself a rest hug your kids, invite someone over, do something for yourself that makes you feel good, and you'll go back to the news. These are my Shabbat candlesticks. We light the candles every week, and we use these. We take a breath. I like to listen to the sound of the match striking. For me, it's like a Pavlovian response at this point where it just slows me down. It brings me down and I feel like a calm 
and a centeredness and a connectedness. We move our hands over the candles three times in a circular motion and cover our eyes. That also makes me feel like the light of, I'm pulling the light of Shabbat in, and it also brings me internal. You know, that's kind of a place I like to be on Shabbat, like inside, you know, so I spend a lot of my life external. We say the blessing. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech ha'olam Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav Ketzivanu l'hadlik ner l'hadlik ner Shel Shabbat, amen. Then we move to Kiddush, Kiddush, as we say. So you can see I have like a bunch of Kiddush cups. This is a family heirloom Kiddush cup, and like a lot of um, Jews, uh, a lot of my history is is lost. I can't say, oh, my family is from this town and this place, and you know, it's a story of um, migration and refugeeism and all uh, persecution, etc. But I have this, and it's a symbol that uh, my family has been connected to um, Judaism for generations and generations, and I love it. I use it proudly. We make Kiddush, we use sweet wine or grape juice to remind us of the sweetness of Shabbat. And then, this is my challah board. I like this because I like things with texture and you can see it's engraved, it's wooden and it's engraved with um, Shabbat Shalom for Yom Tov. And speaking of worn, like any good challah board, you can see all of the knife marks in it. And challah is my favorite part. I, my family knows how to crush a challah, you know? It's like there and then gone. And I love raisin, very controversial choice, but I'm sorry, it's just, it's who I am. Baruch and those are the blessings of Shabbat. If your synagogue doesn't include the prayer for the state of Israel, or if it's something you don't normally say, I think certainly this time would be an appropriate and perhaps urgent time to add it. O Heavenly One, Protector and Redeemer of Israel, bless the state of Israel, which marks the dawning of hope for all who seek peace. Shielded beneath the wings of your love, Spread over it the canopy of your peace. Send your light and truth to all who lead and advise, guiding them with your good counsel. Establish peace in the land and fullness of joy for all who dwell there. Amen. The other thing I would add is I've been praying this prayer since the situation happened, and it's called a prayer for those being held in captivity. Um, I know that's something on our minds that's consuming our minds is bringing these innocent victims of terror home, whole, and safe. So it, it's a, a Mishaberach that talks specifically about this. May he who blessed our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moshe, Aaron, David, Solomon, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Valea, bless, protect, and guard the members of Israel's defense forces missing in action or held captive, and other captives among our brethren the whole house of Israel who are in distress or captivity, as we, the members of this holy congregation, pray on their behalf. May the Holy One, blessed be He, have compassion on them and bring them out from darkness and the shadow of death. May He break their bonds, save them from their distress, and bring them swiftly back to their families' embrace. 
Give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for the wonders he does for the children of men. And may there be fulfilled in them the verse, those redeemed by the eternal will return. They will enter Zion with singing and everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. And together we say, Amen. Amen. I always feel like I don't know if my prayers work, but I always feel like maybe they do. Maybe they do. And I want them to. And so I I think we need to keep praying. So after that, if your family's having dinner, you would sit down and eat, and it's a time for community, conversation, relax, let your kids stay up late, eat whatever you want. That's what you should do on Shabbat, be together, be Jewish. past week, we've seen a lot of very grim news out of Israel. But we've also seen incredible stories, stories of people coming together, helping each other, saving lives. But none of these stories is more amazing, maybe, than the story of one 68-year-old woman from the southern town of Ofakim. We call this story, If You Give Hamas a Cookie. On Saturday morning, October 7th, Rachel Edri and her husband David woke up to the sound of an alarm. They were used to it. If you live in southern Israel, Tseva Adom, or red paint, the code word for the siren that goes off every time Hamas or the Islamic Jihad launches rockets into Israel, it's just a part of everyday life. So Achel and David did what they do every time they hear the menacing sound, which is kind of begrudgingly go to the bomb shelter. They sat there for a bit, and then when they got the old clear, they went back home. It was shortly after six in the morning, They were kind of hoping to get back to bed. And then someone broke their window. Before they could even go and check what happened, five Hamas terrorists ran into Rachel and David's house. They were wearing Kevlar vests and each had an AK-47 and hand grenades. One of them was even carrying a rocket launcher. They pointed their guns at Rachel and David and said, we're going to kill you now. What would you do in a situation like this? Most people would start screaming or freeze with fear, or maybe even faint. But Rachel Edri, Rachel Edri is made of sterner stuff. She informed the terrorists that they were not going to kill her. And when they asked why might that be, she said, it's because they were hungry. Sit down, she told them, and I'll make you some coffee and some cookies. Incredibly, the terrorists did as they were told, and Rachel brewed strong black coffee and gave them some ma'amuls, delicious Moroccan butter cookies stuffed with ground nuts and dates and topped with powdered sugar. The terrorists really liked the cookies, and while they were chowing down, Rachel asked them why they were doing this. Because, they said, because we want to be shahids or martyrs. No, Rachel said, no you don't. And with that, she began an amazing campaign that lasted four hours. She asked the terrorists about their own families. She told them stories about her children, not mentioning that two of them were police officers and that one of them, as Rachel could see through the window, was now stationed outside with his special forces buddies. 
about to start negotiating with the terrorists. But when morning turned into noon, Rachel grew afraid. I thought to myself, she later told Israeli media, that if these guys get hungry, then they'll get cranky and then they'll shoot me. So Rachel made them a nice lunch. She gave them juice and then some Coke Zero to drink. And she asked David to come sit next to her. We started saying Shema Israel, she told reporters. And we told each other that if we die, at least we die together. By now the sun was setting and there's only so much anyone could eat on any given day. It was time for the stalling to end and the rescue attempt to begin. The terrorists were also growing antsy. They held a live grenade to Achel's head and yelled at the police officer outside not to take any other step. Achel realized she needed to communicate to her son and his friends how many terrorists were inside the house. So she took her hand, stretched her five fingers as far apart as she could, and then put her palm to her face, pretending to have a headache. Her son saw it and understood exactly. Five. Five men inside. Then the police broke in and the shooting started. David, every bit as tough and heroic as his wife, jumped on top of her to protect her. And then it was all over. Five terrorists dead, two Edris very much alive. All because of Rachel's incredible cool, her quick wit, and her unbelievable courage. Sometimes, if you give Hamas a cookie, you buy just enough time for the good guys to come and shoot the bad guys dead. Amen. Look, it's been a week and, uh, We thought we needed some particular comfort and some particular wisdom right now, the sort of comfort and wisdom that you could only really get from a dear old wise friend, the corduroy Rav himself, an Orthodox host emeritus, Mark Oppenheimer. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, I am doing well. I had to return from my sojourn into the desert where I was learning new techniques to make corduroy, only to confront the real world in which there are bigger concerns and it's good to be to be here with you in your in your study in your salon Reb Leibovitz, to to talk about what really matters so look we're not just at this very difficult shabbat for many of us but also a very special shabbat it's one in which we start reading the torah on you we start from bereshit we start from the very first chapter of genesis and i know you have some interesting thoughts about reading the torah to share with us you know, like so many Jews, dare say almost every Jew, at some point you end up in that conversation with other Jews or you're asked to explain this crazy thing called Judaism to people. And you're stuck between all these different inadequate metaphors. Is Judaism a family? Is it a tribe? Is it a nation? Is it a people? What do you call it? And none of us really know. And I have hit on a way that I like to talk about Judaism to the uninitiated, or indeed even to the initiated, which is, if nothing else, we are a book club. We are the world's oldest book club. (laughs) Because what are we but that group of people that reads a book together every Saturday, and in some cases Monday and Thursday, and some cases Friday night, the majority of the days of the week, we take out this Torah scroll, or we take it out in a bound volume, if no scrolls available, and we read a little bit of it. 
This is exactly what we do with our children when we sit down at night to read a few more pages from the chapter book. It's exactly what we do when we tune in to see what Oprah or Reese Witherspoon or the Today Show or Jenna Bush is recommending to us. The idea of reading together, of then talking or arguing or loving or quarreling over a common text, it's not eternal. There was a time before the written word, but it's as old as Judaism. And the fact that we constructed a religion and a tribe and a nation and a people around the common project of a book club, maybe one followed by schnapps, by a kiddish, by some schmaltz, by some herring, is an incredibly beautiful thing. And I think it brings it home to people. It brings it home to me when I get angry or anxious or wonder why we keep doing this, that if all we were called to do in this world was to read a continuous book on an annual cycle again and again and again, that would have been enough. Dayanu. So you're saying, don't be like that guy in the book club who shows up and talks about the book without reading it. Actually, do the work. I am saying do the work. And yet, if you forget to do the work that week, better to show up and fake it than not to show up at all. That, that guy who shows up to the book club not having read it and shows up just for the wine and the jello mold. It's, it's a tzaddik. He may be the most righteous of all of us. We don't know. The point <laughs> is he came together and out of his left ear, as he was salivating over the kiddush table, waiting for Motsi to be said, he heard a little bit of that book being read. And I think, um, you know, terror comes for us in so many ways. If it comes for us in such a way that we stop gathering to read this book together, that's when we will know that, uh, that we've really been hit where it hurts. The quarter of Mark Oppenheimer, Shabbat Shalom to you, my dear friend. A good Shabbos to you as well, my friend. J. Crew, we are wishing you a meaningful and restorative Shabbat. Unorthodox is hosted by me, Stephanie Butnick, with Leah Leibovitz and Joshua Molina. We're produced and edited by Josh Cross, Robert Scaramuccia, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team includes Tanya Singer, Courtney Hazlett, Daron Rusquet, Sam Hacker, and Jordana LaRosa. Our episode art is by Esther Werdiger. Our logo is by Jenny Rosbrook, and our theme music is by Golem. It is an honor for me to say Shabbat Shalom, friends. <laughs>